Groovers and Xana doings. That's what we call ourselves up in the Patreon. It is great to be back in the swing of things, I have to say. I'm still on about 50-50 rest and back in the swing, um, but I'm definitely making progress. We'll have those Awakening Mintaka recordings up soon. I'm not going to make a more definitive promise than soon. This wonderful interview and conversation, really, with such a dear friend and respected podcaster and intuitive and reader and artist and just all around amazing person, Sarah Forney from Supernatural Sarah. We continue a little bit uh, a post-conversation about trigger warnings after my really wonderful experience being interviewed by her. Um, and then we talk about a lot of different aspects of her story and just really the healing journey in, in general and how far she and I have come, how far society has come in a lot of ways and the ways in which we can continue to do better and, and, one of the things that I love the most about Sarah is she is so great at reminding us to just give ourselves a, a break for once, you know, and give each other the grace to just be. And I really feel like it's those sorts of approaches to life and philosophy that will ultimately yield the most peace, the most happiness the most, uh, joy and bliss for people and, um, keep us more in a mid swing of the range of human emotions instead of always being in this cycle of, um, I'm miserable and I'm now I'm elated and that elated is the goal. So anything in between the two is somehow not meeting a goal. So enjoy this interview. Uh, there are some little weird audio things. This happens near um, extreme solar activity. We actually recorded this a few months ago. But interestingly enough, things always seem to come out truly when they're meant to. Because a lot of what we talked about uh, is more in the zeitgeist and more in the collective now than it was when we recorded it. So I really hope you enjoy it and uh anything else oh yeah the audio glitches so what i'll notice is that it will speed up and slow down sometimes and then um occasionally when i'm on with different people uh sarah and seraphina are both this way um i i get like i would love someone who really loves to dissect audio 
to analyze some of those little sections and tell me what it is that's coming through uh, when that happens. But I think it's still all perfectly well heard and able to be heard. And so thank you for being fine with whatever imperfections exist. After all, this is a free, free gig. And uh, at heart, we're moms doing what we got to do to take care of our kids. And we don't have producers or sound engineers or anything like that at this point. I keep liking to add yet to everything because I really feel like there are infinite possibilities right now for growth and expansion and new experiences and great things to happen for everybody. So I hope great things are happening to you. And if they're not, it's going to get better. I promise you, if you can rest a lot and really just hang on, I'll be doing another episode, another solo cast after this one about more about crystalline activation and eclipses. Uh, we don't have much time before that finishes. And if we can just kind of <laughs> relax and enjoy it, um, there's definitely a shift in energy and, um, feeling and awareness and just, just the general tone of things is about to make a turn for the better. So hold on to your hats because you're all going to be very busy enjoying it. And I love you much and thank you, Sarah, for coming on. Just wanted to add right up at the very top of this episode that we do have a content warning. We do not discuss uh, assault the entire episode, but subjects around assault, um, drug use, those types of things, abuse do come up throughout this in different parts. Um, we really just touch on things and don't go deeply in depth into anything, but depending on where you are in your healing journey, and this is no judgment. I mean, I, there are things for me personally that I don't know if I'm ever necessarily going to completely get rid of, um, because it's such a deep groove, I guess, in my brain. And, and thankfully they're not, you know, awful stuff. It's stuff like, uh, the noise of motorcycles, some of them, um, those sorts of things that make my body have that startle response. Uh, so I don't want to do that to anyone else and neither to Sarah. So just throwing it out there, uh, that this is a content warning for the episode. There are parts where we talk about things that might be, um, activating in an unpleasant way for some people, depending on how you're doing. And if you need any support, um, with any of that, uh, message either one of us and we have lots of resources that we can point you towards um, and just be an ear probably more than likely <laughs> either one of us welcome back galactic groovers i'm andrea land your grooving goddess and thank you for joining and listening to the podcast today i am so excited to have one of my very good friends 
and um, favorite guests <laughs> on and and interviewers um, on today, Sarah Fournay from Supernatural Sarah. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so uh, to be honest, it's kind of funny, but we talk to each other a lot and we are full of um, contemplation and big thoughts and epiphanies and we're both growing ourselves still so sometimes we don't know where things are going to go so um, who knows what we'll wind up talking about but right off the bat I wanted to uh, mention to any listeners of mine and listeners of um, Sarah that I, I know I don't need to say I'm sorry, but I do uh, regret any distress that my story may have caused anyone if they were not prepared to hear it. Um, I always will put a CW in my episode titles uh, to make sure people kind of go look at the notes so they aren't um, surprised by it. And uh, it's it's um, perfectly understandable and I have been there myself. So I will, um, that's part of the reason why I don't share it very much, you know? Mm -hmm. That was entirely my fault though. You know, I, I put the trigger warning when I shared it on Facebook and Instagram, but I didn't put it in the description of the show. And so uh, it's in there now, there's a trigger warning in there now, and I will do my best to not let that ever happen again. Oh, well, I know somebody was, was disturbed and I'm sorry. And, you know, there's always like other people who don't say anything. So I'm mm -hmm. glad, and I just wanted to throw it out there that it's like, and, and I wanted to really thank you for asking me to come on there and talk about my story and um, make sure that people understand that because of how trauma and um, physical uh, problems and chronic illness are related, it's kind of impossible to leave out those parts um, yeah. to have people understand the entire picture of how yeah. there were these traumas and then things, you know, layer on top of each other. So, um, and then the other thing <laughs> that is interesting about it, uh, I just put up a TikTok this morning because I was having some feels. Uh, I, I understand why people like true crime podcasts and shows and everything. And if you look at most media entertainment and news um, even before there was tv or radio or anything you know public hangings um, all the dirt was uh, has been the rage for a very very long time but um, there's a comedy podcast uh, about you know various murders um, that's number one in the world at the moment and I was I heard this quote that was talking about how um, our like pop culture media is like a mirror of where society is at I think you may have even said that too in your divine feminine yeah. episode, which was so good and so the fact that that's the number one thing it really hit me hard today and I was listening to one of my um 
favorite like mainstream comics. I, for the record right now, am not talking about Jessa, (laughs) (laughs) but um, they, they have a really great podcast and they're truly a wonderful person and are, you know, advocate for mental health and all of that. So they're, they're not a villain in this story by any means, but I was listening and they were, they were kind of like, they were trying to do a funny recap (laughs) of the the murder podcast and it was like uh, some of the stuff they were talking about and the jokes that they made they weren't funny and they that like the details that they were um trying to find humor in were the same details of my own friend's uh case her murder uh, and yeah. so it just really hit me hard and I I I think uh like that's we need to look at that you know what does that say about the world that that is what we are most um attracted to because it does not help protect women or make them any safer yeah and and so so the reason I mention all that um is because uh in relation to the parts of my early childhood story that are so um, triggering for a lot of people I want you to know that I both deeply understand that and that's why I will make uh, an extra effort if I'm asked to share that anywhere um, in detail to make sure that there's a warning with it but mm-hmm. I also <laughs> the reason uh, nobody talks about it is because we don't want to look at things that are so horrible and ugly, but because we ignore them and there's silence around something that perpetuates it. Um, yeah. Corny phrase, but silence really is violence. And um, the only way these things are going to go away. And the only way those of us who are triggered by this information, because we were, victims in some way as children um, are going to get true justice and make this stop in the world or at least happen less. I mean, we can't fix everything and everyone, but it does make a difference uh, is by sharing it. So that's why I talk about it. I do not talk about it because I like to, or I want to, and um, it's been interesting because a lot of people have just been really shocked that that's even my story, you know, because yeah. I don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, and it's like they say we're as sick as our secrets, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's like to heal from these things we do, we have to do that, like exposure therapy type thing, you know, yeah. um, as much as it sucks, but then once you do it, I mean, it's so freeing. And, and I, like, I tell my story for the same reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I get into like the dirty details and stuff, you know, I, um, it, it hits me a little different to be, especially on such public platforms, you know, because there yes. isn't a single part of my story that I haven't told to somebody, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, on a public platform, you know, I'm worried about like, is my dad going to be mad at me? Is my mom going to be mad? Right. You know, tell this. Um, and I'm starting to get over that, but, um, but it, it's, it opens up that channel to where that mm-hmm. energy can flow through, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, 
I feel like when you have a wall up, it's like a dam just holding all this pressure, you know, Uh and when you let that free, when you, you just open up a whole channel for energy flow, you know, and no one has to do it the way we are on such a public platform, you know, Mm -hmm. but even just talking to one person about is so healing, you know, it really is. It really is. And I, I, truly from the bottom of my heart I you know I love you so much and you're one of my best friends and I um I thank you for allowing me to share my whole story like that because you know it was a a long doozy (laughs) yeah Yeah. but and I want to tell tell listeners anybody listening that um and because I know I'm it will not surprise me if you felt the same way in your past. Um, there was a time in my life where I could not watch, hear, listen, see anything about um, abuse, uh, um, you know, sexual assault, uh, domestic violence, um, anything involving a movie where knives were used to hurt people. Um, like I had all of these things that be, because my, I had not gone through the process of being able to <laughs> heal it and learn how to, um, reprogram my nervous system so that I was not reacting to all of these things. But for a long time, it was like, nope, not watching that movie. Guess I'm yeah. turning that show off, you know, because I yeah. just, I couldn't. And so I really understand anybody who just can't um, yeah. at this point. Absolutely. I was, I was yeah. the same way for a while, like couldn't watch certain movies or any, I mean, it would just hit me so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I remember being like really triggered easily, you know, and just being so emotional. And I mean, it, cause healing is a process. It's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's not a destination. And, um, you know, but this is what like, and I don't like the labels that we put on ourselves in the spiritual community. Like I'm not much for that, but a lot of people mm-hmm. say light worker, you know, like call right. us light worker. And this is actually like, technically what light work is we're bringing our darkness to the light you know so this so that it can be you know we're having these conversations and things like that you know Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. it's important you know yeah yeah it really is and that's the thing like some people may never be able to or want to share their story with others but I know when I was going through my own healing process um, things like uh, Mental Illness Happy Hour and a few other podcasts, which covered, you know, lots of other people's stories. And listening to that really helped me to feel not alone, to feel yeah. heard, to know that I wasn't the only one, you know, and that um, and that trauma isn't like a competition uh, and that we all have, you know, who have experienced beyond the normal amount of challenges in life. Um, that it, it like there, you don't need to compare it because that's what, what made it difficult for me to heal for a long time. I think is because I could not share my story without making others feel 
like their trauma didn't count. <laughs> you yeah. know, and I bet you've encountered that too because you your story is is very um you know what most people would consider more extreme trauma and you've had a lot of life experiences that others don't like being homeless and um, having the substance use disorder and, and just all the things that you went through um, as a child and beyond that you probably share that and some people are like like the, you know we it's because of our compare and contrast brain uh, yeah. we, we, it's like, it's not a competition <laughs> trauma, yeah. trauma. And even if your parents, and I love that you've covered that on episodes that you've done, because even if your parents, it was just like, they didn't have time for you when you were excited to show them your artwork or your, your spelling test or whatever, like those things do the same thing neurologically yeah. and chemically that the more extreme trauma does. So it yeah. really doesn't matter. Yeah. And you know, for years, I didn't even consider the trauma that I had been through actual trauma. And even for things like, um, and, and I guess this would be a trigger warning, but being raped, you know, I blamed mm -hmm. myself for that for years. And I didn't consider some of the times as being rape. I didn't, uh, you know, and, and I, I mean, even just being a woman, there's trauma in that, you know, yeah. poverty is a trauma, you know, there's all kinds. And I used to, um, because I have friends who were, you know, molested as kids and things like that. Um, and I've, I, that's not in my story, you know? Mm -hmm. So that I used to think like, well, I didn't have it that bad because this didn't uh -huh. happen. So we all kind of do that compare, yeah. you know, for mm -hmm. a while. And it took me a while to just like validate my own trauma. And this is my story. And this is what, you know, like it's valid and the things that I need to heal from because thinking of someone else's worst trauma is not going to heal your own, you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and nobody who, I mean, most people, I think there are some people who maybe just haven't quite um, healed or had enough therapy or counseling or whatever that they, they do see it as a competition, you know, mm -hmm. and, and like, well, you didn't have it that bad, but that's really rare. Most people who have been through really extreme circumstances do not wish it on anybody and have empathy for almost everyone, you know? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and like, um, you know, cause you were saying like, just being, feeling neglected as a kid as being a trauma. And like, I've said this before too, that like the hardest trauma to heal from is a childhood that you thought was good. You know, the ones, right. the people who have more extreme traumas and, and they can easily pinpoint those in their story, um, learn about it and heal from it a lot faster than someone who thinks that their life was great and they hadn't been through trauma, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So just definitely. validating and, and hearing people's stories, like I'm the same, you know, I love, uh, by the way, thank you for coming on and telling your story um, with me. I was honored to uh, be the one, you know, I said that that happened on my podcast. It's, it's so important. Um, and, you know, that's the, that's what validated mine years ago when I started 
you know, healing, really trying to heal from my past and everything is like, I had to hear everything be validated first. I had to hear someone else tell my story first, you know, Mm -hmm. and each part. And eventually once I heard so many little pieces of my story in several other people's stories, then I was able to like go in there and find, okay, I haven't heard anyone talk about this, but you know, and I could put my story together, you know, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a lot of, I mean, you know, you don't just come into healing uh, most people anyways, you don't just come into this journey and know your whole story from start to finish. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, like, absolutely. Be able to That's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So. That is such a great point because like you were talking about assault, um, I, did the same thing with some of my experiences. I knew the things that happened to me as a child were wrong because I was a child, you know, Mm -hmm. but the things that happened when I was, you know, 19 and um, pretty much that was the last time because I kind of turned into, um, it wasn't a bad thing. And thankfully it never wound up with anyone getting hurt, but it was like, I had this switch in me and if you even acted like you were gonna uh, do anything to me that I wasn't down for, it was like, um, it was almost like they've talked, I've heard this before about like people who um, need help with dealing with anger that it's almost like you black out Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's like different than disassociating where I would, it would be like instantaneous where I was either fighting back, like if someone put their hands on me in a bar or something, um, or uh, if it was a partner who was behaving aggressively towards me, I mean, it was an instant of I'm grabbing the nearest weapon and um, going after them so that they either would leave or lock themselves in the bathroom, you know? And so it's like, I got, uh, I got past that. But the thing that happened when I was 19, it was not until after I had had two kids and was getting, you know, the medical procedures to correct some of the damage that I, it it was, it was weird because it just fell out of my mouth. Um, in front of the doctor, because she asked me how some of the stuff had happened, you know, Um, and I, you know, just, it came out of my mouth, I was raped, and I had never even thought of it that way before, I had always blamed myself, and then when I said it, it was like it was in slow motion when it was coming out of my mouth, and then I went, oh, shit, yeah (laughs) I had this thing hidden from myself because it was easier to blame myself than to um be a victim of the situation yes I used to not even be able to say the word rape or hear the word Mm -hmm. rape just that alone was a trigger Mm -hmm. for me you know so now Mm -hmm. when I say it I am like mindful of that, you know, um, I haven't even talked about some of my, like the, the rape wounds, you know, on my podcast yet. I'm still, you know, like I had to like dip my toes in, in the podcast world and kind (laughs) of like 
<laughs> you know, and I'm starting to kind of find my groove. So I'm sure, you know, I will, um, cause I feel ready, you know, but, mm -hmm. um, it's definitely like, it's even so, so me telling my stories and being so open about it and stuff, it's, it is a process for me too, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think it's, it's good that we can talk about it and um, acknowledge where other people are at and try to give them hope that it really can get better. Yeah. Um, I, and, and that's another thing is like through this experience and um, some people being um, a little triggered by it, I, it, it reminds me because what happens is you get to the point where you have your fight or flight response pretty much um, normalized, uh, you know, so that you have a homeostasis instead of just being a, a pinball yes. flying around a trigger machine. <laughs> um, wow. But you get to a point where you, like, it's not that, that you're disassociated from it. It's just that you're healed. So like you don't have the association with it that you once did. And so it's easy. And so that was a good lesson for me because it's easy to forget um, that there's lots of people out there who are not there. And that also um, being able to just kind of drop it like it's hot without all the emotion associated mm -hmm. and give the wrong impression sometimes I think um not so much like caring what other people think but how they feel so like I think it could without having more context um which is why I'm glad we got to talk about this a little bit without having more context um it can look like we are just saying it for shock value or, um, and I hate this new phrase, but clout chasing or those types of things, you know, doing it for attention rather than for awareness because we aren't crying and you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was part of why I, I thought it would be a good idea us to address it but I loved your episode about divine feminine and masculine energy Thank um, you. It, it was really excellent truly and your examples of ways in which um, it has shaped uh, society up to now and mm -hmm. how it's changing yeah I, I wasn't fully happy with that episode. I, I sort of, um, I recorded it and then um, I ended up losing the recording. So that one that I, that I launched was the second attempt. And oh, I, I hate that. That's the worst. Like, Cause you always feel like, Oh, the first one was better. Yes. And mm -hmm. I, I was sort of a little bit rushed through it. Um, you know, but I, I mean, I'm always my own worst critic, you know, um, but uh, I thought it was great. Thank you. I love that. I'm glad because there was, you know, of course, I'm always hard on myself with things. Um, there was mm -hmm. a lot of things that I wish that I had said or hadn't said, you know, but I, mm -hmm. I do most of my, I'm, I'm just now getting used to like, just leave it there. I'm the only one who's bitching yeah. about it. <laughs> 
Yes, yes, yes. And you know, it's interesting. Um, there, like this whole year, one of the themes is union of polarity, mm-hmm. um, learning to accept duality more. And that is one of those funny things is like, we think of ego mostly as being like really like overly confident, egotistical, self-centered, you know, mm-hmm. and we forget that ego also <laughs> is yeah. the cause of insecurities and those kinds of things, which then when you circle back around to it, and this is how I manage those impulses within myself, because even though I've had a lot of feedback over the last six months that um, I appear wildly confident to the world, um, I do still have those kinds of thoughts and insecurities like anybody else and am my own worst critic sometimes too. But mm-hmm. when I, um, when I start to worry about something like that, I'm like, okay, reality check. <laughs> yeah. The only one who cares about this right now is you. And if anyone yeah. else does care about it, that's okay. And it doesn't affect you. <laughs> Um, and so it's funny because it winds up with uh learning that those ways in which we are critical with ourselves is an additional way to be egocentric (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and that 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 was always my um my case with my ego, you know, is like feeling has the insecurities for sure. Mm-hmm. The imposter syndrome and things like that. Absolutely. And, and I, I didn't learn that until, I mean, I guess it was like, you know, probably, I mean, it was a few years after I started my healing journey and I didn't even learn that that was ego too, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh shit. I guess I do. <laughs> I know, I know. Same here. I mean, to be, yeah, honestly. And I, I, I'm, I still learn ego lessons. Um, yeah. And that's because you're, if, if you are continually in the process of growing and changing and um, bringing new things into your life that is always going to give you experiences to discover new layers, you know, (laughs) because you're having new experiences that you haven't had before, like having a bunch of people (laughs) listen to you on a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And this is part of that exposure therapy, you know, because Mm -hmm. I mean, fear of being seen being, I mean, the first time, okay. Whenever we, we're going to do the meow podcast. And I remember telling you, like, I don't know if I want to be on video, you know, Mm -hmm. and and now I'm like all about it. Like, yeah, let's do it. That was fun. You know, but Uh I was really scared of like being seen on YouTube, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. even though I have my podcast, you know, it's, it's definitely a huge, but the only way to conquer that fear was to, be seen, you know? So a lot of like, I think that that is another healing channel that like having a podcast and stuff opens up is, is that fear of being seen, you know, like 
definitely I was not, you know, the popular kid in school. I was not, mm-hmm. I'm actually very much an introvert, you know? And, and so someone like me to do it, you know, it's, it's not a uh, knack. It doesn't come naturally, you know? So it's definitely a lot of, um, it's, it's been such a huge learning experience for me though, you know, like, and healing experience. Um, and definitely nobody is paying that much damn attention to be like, oh, I can't believe she said that. And don't, you know, and like you said, <laughs> even if they are, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I, I had, I said this on my podcast before that I, you know, would like obsess over all the people who were going to judge me for my podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, like you're going to listen just to judge me. And that was a fear. But eventually I was just like, you know what? <laughs> if you have nothing better to do with your time than to listen to my podcast, because I'm such a public influencer to make fun of me, then that's on you. (laughs) You (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Right. Like like, why do um, I care what someone thinks of me when they're just trying to judge me (laughs) anyways, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally see that. And, uh, you know, it is, it's, it's all just very funny and, once you start seeing your own um, flaws in that regard, like being able to admit to yourself, like you said, that, oh, me being insecure like this has more to do with me thinking that the world revolves around me. Yeah. Even though I'm making it sound like I'm a victim. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, it's like, <laughs> then you also realize that like what other people think of you is none of your business and has no bearing on your experience unless you allow it to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and you know, to comment that like, and this, you know, is what I started doing in the beginning was like, focus on all the people that do love me, that do exactly the way that I am. And once I started focusing on that, I mean, now I have, a lot, you know, I have the best people in my life, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. or I was so focused on like, it's like being in a room of a thousand people and 999 of them love you and adore the shit out of you. And there's that one person who can't stand you. And, you know, I would have focused on that one person, you know, years ago and like, why don't they, you know, it's that codependent thing too. Mm -hmm. And, and once I realized, like, there are 999 people who like me, surely I can just not care about, you know, like, just stay yeah. away from <laughs> whatever, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, that is, that is just such an excellent visual yeah. and example for people to kind of put things into perspective. And, and, you know, and I hear really famous people with like millions of followers and everything and uh on major networks and you know they're they're big fish and they will say like that they don't look at that they can't look at their social media posts and things because it doesn't matter if there's like 10,000 uh positive things it's that one or two things that will screw up their head for like the next week and it's you know that's wild uh to be giving 
that much power to one person's <laughs> negative opinion of us. Yeah. And especially on the internet, because people are so brave. It's like they forget that there's a human on the other side typing, mm -hmm. you know, that, that we're people just like you and we have feelings, you know, just because you're, you know, if you're, I can't imagine being like famous, like a, some sort of public figure or, you know, like, cause yeah, yeah. even wider fame would, it, it, it does scare me a little, you know, it truly does. Like, I mm -hmm. just don't know if that's something I even want that much attention on me. Yeah. I think though, you know, like, we're doing this from a very genuine place though, you know, so that's true. I think that, that really helps, you know, I mean, of course I'm not famous or anything, but you know, well, like, it's, yeah, it's, but it's, <laughs> I see what you're getting at. Like, <laughs> like, should we become, uh, more famous at some point or more well-known or have, you know, exponentially more listeners, um, since we have done this authentically as ourselves, uh, as much as anyone is capable, I think, um, that probably would be a help in that experience yeah. of more notoriety or fame. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe, I fully believe that we are helping people by telling our story. So even if we help just one person, then it's worth it, you know? Yes, yes. Oh, that's so funny you mentioned that because when I was thinking about um, hosting the thing about uh, true crime and our obsession with it and how every single one of those stories has many people who still grieve the loss of that person and that um, yeah. there's there's like a lot of pain <laughs> generated from yeah. that this obsession that we have and people forget that that story is you know the person who was whose life was taken that that was a person and there's yeah. people out there that that still grieve and love them and um I sometimes I wrestle with myself about whether I should post something or say something or do something and um especially when it goes against the grain uh, a little bit, but I, I, that's what I tell myself uh, because it's true. Even if only one person is helped by it, it was worth it. And it was healing for me to say yeah. it. So it is worth it. And um, whatever heat I get for it is, is just part of the process. And I'm okay with that. Uh, when I shared all the solar stuff um, earlier in the week, especially, I got a lot of comments from people who were like, thank you for posting this. I'm, I have been really on the edge of losing my, my shit all week long and people around me have been crazy and it's helpful to know what's going on, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I don't, I, I just want to go back to the whole true crime thing too. I don't okay. watch or listen to true crime stuff either. Um, mm -hmm. 
for the same reason that you're explaining. It's like there are people who, and and I've definitely, I've had a lot of friends die and I've had, you know, some in horrific ways, you know, through my years of drug use. I mean, people aren't exactly kind to each other. It's a dangerous way to live, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I have a hard time with that too. I, uh, I just don't feel right about it. Um, you know, cause just like you said, I mean, there are people grieving for each person in those stories. And then like, you know, you were saying earlier how they just make jokes about it. Yeah. No, I, can you imagine if that was your mother, brother, sister, you know, like, right. I, 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 I think a lot of people have been so programmed by media mm-hmm. um, and a lifetime of it that, and just, and it's not just media. Like I said, this, this obsession with violence and misery has been going on since the beginning of people. Um, mm-hmm. But so I'm not exactly sure how we change that, but I surely think we have enough uh, communication and awareness to try at least to learn to focus on things that we want to experience in the world instead of the worst possible experience. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, where was I going with that? Damn it. Um, the, the true crime it's like that it's, it, that's exactly what it is is it's like uh people have a disconnect from their empathy a disconnect from their compassion and their emotions with this stuff where i think a lot of times they don't even think about that there's someone on the other end of that and probably mm-hmm. a lot of people because for every person i mean my friend you know who was taken uh she this was a small town and um she taught kids dance and did a lot of things that kept her involved in the community so her departure affected you know a thousand or more people (laughs) and and, um, yeah you know and so uh it makes it it I think it makes it hard for people. They just sort of get, you know, people are kind of hypnotized in the general public. And that's, that's, we're circling back around to our whole metaphysical thing, but that's the whole point about the, the concept of awakening or waking up or expanding your consciousness is that you get reconnected to your humanity, your empathy. Um, you know, your heart, uh, because I think a lot of us have had, had that put to sleep. Yeah. And then you start to realize how that, how absorbing certain types of media affects you and your energy and your programming and things. Cause like, you know, I wasn't always this way. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, I remember when they first came out with the ID network and, Mm -hmm. and it, on that I mean I had seen every show you know at least twice on like every episode and it would be like one new episode of each show a week you know and then all mm-hmm. week it was like replays like I was so addicted to it you know yeah, same and same. and it was it was me and my ex-girlfriend and the um what is it what is the one called I can't remember um is it Dateline? 
probably I was on that one a couple times yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's so, so, they make it so interesting they make it so like yeah and, and it's really like I, I can't remember what I what show I watched not too long ago and they were talking about um aliens and things like that and in the beginning the narrator said um you know you love fear you think uh-huh. that you love love but you love yeah. fear because yep. and if you didn't you wouldn't be watching all the news you wouldn't be watching all these you know shows mm-hmm. like, and I was like wow that is so true like we are so programmed to like you know mm-hmm. love that fear you know of course until after we like wake up and expand our consciousness and you know then we can like then you sense it everywhere it's like yes everywhere. it's hard to unsee it once you've seen it mm-hmm. and then everything looks different to you yeah everything. and everyone around you you can tell like like once I admitted that I was like addicted to drama and chaos and I started mm-hmm. feeling that part of me I realized like everyone is <laughs> you yes. know like most people, you know, and it starts at such a young age, you know, we need mm-hmm. excitement. We need things like that. It's so funny because, um, and you and I were kind of talking about this the other day too, like being excited about a normal average everyday life, <laughs> you know, yes. like getting excited, <laughs> excited in the little things and, and like, mm-hmm. you know, the little things my partner does that I never would have appreciated before in all my toxic relationships that I just love to fight and apparently loved being cheated on, even though I hated it. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) God, do I know? I I mean, (laughs) you're talking to somebody who was, and that's the thing. I don't, I don't see him as a villain anymore. I just see him as broken in a different way. That doesn't excuse like some of his assholeish behavior, you know. Right. You can just be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but um uh you know, we all can be sometimes, but I was with somebody for 20 years who from the get-go like mocked things that I was into and didn't support who I was in some arenas and you know stupid me it's like I really think a lot of it was that addiction to drama and excitement because I didn't know that the other the opposite of that 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 truly being loved and supported can be equally a, a lovely, you know, feeling. It can be a, a excitement. It, that can yeah. be exciting. Yeah. And you really have to like, we have to like rewire our brains to get to that point because, and I said this before on my podcast too, that like, you know, be careful of the people who you feel like you have such a soul connection with, especially when you're unhealed, because they they are familiar to you because of your family like funny how those words stem from each other so like if you were you know abused as a child or you had neglectful you know this is why you're attracted to um emotionally unavailable people or people who treat you like garbage (laughs) because you're so used to it it's comfortable to you like you Mm -hmm. and much as much as you 
don't like it. And as much heartache as it causes, you know, we have to realize that like, I not don't like, cause people are always like, I, I attract only assholes or whatever. I always knew that I was attracted to them too. I always knew. And then I, when I, because, okay. And this is funny. So I had, um, you know, I was attracted to women, um, at a young, since a young age. And, um, I had an experience where my sister caught me with a friend when I was really young and told the whole family and it made me feel disgusting. So anytime I was attracted to a girl or a woman, I felt this like sick feeling in my stomach. I stayed in the closet. Yeah. I stayed in the closet until my twenties. Like my whole family knew about that. I mean, and she would make fun of me and torment me about it for years. And, when I finally came out, it was like, because I had tried with so many men and all the men were abusive to me or somehow emotionally, um, emotionally unavailable. And I thought that I was done with men. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to admit it. I love women. And, and I went for like seven years being, you know, strictly thinking that I was just a lesbian. I was done with men. I <laughs> my head. I started dressing like a dude. I went through this whole phase and, and because I knew that I was attracted to the wrong men. And when I, what I found out quickly is that the women, it was the same. It didn't matter if it was a man or a woman. I was attracted <laughs> wow. to that, you know? And so, um, you know, now I identify as more like bisexual or maybe pansexual. I think pansexual means you like all the genders, but you know, Mm -hmm. I just love who I love. I don't even label it now, but it's just so funny because, you know, that was like a way for me to, um, try to be attracted to someone that was good for me. Like, I don't, you know, but it doesn't matter the gender. There are, you know, people who, I mean, they're all, you know, resonating on that frequency too. So we're all, you know, (laughs) going to find each other. So, and then I had to realize like, okay, I am attracted to this for whatever reason. And I had to really like find uh, things to be excited about. And then, you know, it's funny because I went a few years being single before Mm -hmm. I met my partner now. And I wrote this list. Somebody said that we have to become the person that we want to attract. And Mm -hmm. so I wrote down all these things like characteristics of a perfect partner. And then I was, I got really gut-wrenching honest with myself. And I was like, am I these things too? And no, I wasn't, you know, like I wasn't. Uh Because it's like, you know, you want people to love you for exactly who you are, but are you able, are you fully capable of loving someone else for who they are? You know, and I admitted that like, I wasn't, I didn't accept flaws in people very easily, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. but I would be so brokenhearted if you didn't love this piece of me that, you know, so I had to learn to love all those pieces of myself and then, you know, accept it. And others, I mean, it's just a whole healing journey. And now like when I look back, it's so funny. Cause I look back at the people that I used to date and like, you know, I mean, I, nothing bad about them, you know, but I just, 
I, I don't even allow that energy in my life anymore as, as even friends, yeah. you know, like, yeah. like if, if, if even a friend treated me the way they, or, you know, just, I don't allow it in my life at all. And it's such a, a huge, like, I don't know. It's, but it's, it's hilarious in a way. I, I like, I just like to laugh at myself really from the past, oh, you me know, too. me too. I mean, I married and, and I didn't really realize this until after I asked for a divorce and he had moved out. And like you, I had a long period of basically being single and, um, uh, not having any, you know, real, long-term connections with anyone and just dealing with myself and go it took a like probably a year of being out of it because all of those layers of the experience we'd had had to kind of I had to detox from all of that you know mm -hmm. uh and so then once I did I went off oh, fuck me you know I married a combination of my um pretty narcissistic uh controlling um mother and my cold my sometimes cold grandmother who mostly was wonderful with me but she definitely had you know her own issues and she was from that older World War II generation. So there was stuff along with that, like she kept a lot of secrets. And so it, it, it like hit me, okay. <laughs> I have been just recreating my childhood. Yes. I need to learn how to A, not be any of those things I do not want to attract and B, uh, be able to spot and understand that and have in my mind what I I do want and need in a partner and what I um, am capable of offering them, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. you do. You I have to bring to the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine was my older sister. And I haven't even talked about this on my podcast yet, but she was my main abuser, um, mm -hmm. you know, tormenting me my whole life. I lived my entire childhood in fear and highly high vigilant, you know, I had that um, hypervigilance always yeah. waiting for the next shoe to drop. And, and I never felt safe in my home. And then when I went to school and I met friends that, and they ended up bullying me like one day they, I was part of their clique and the next day they were all wanting to beat me up, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that was me, you know, it had started at such a young age where mm -hmm. I even found friends that bullied me. And then when I started getting into relationships, it was always the emotionally unavailable and the bullies, you know? And so mm -hmm. I just went years and I, it was literally, you know, cause I spent my childhood. New year, new ad. Welcome to 2022. I want to tell you a little bit about my services. I do a variety of oracle readings, animal communication, expansion coaching, 
consciousness anchoring and grief mediumship support. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I'll just move right on to the Patreon, which is a darn good deal because here's the deal with that. There's a five, 10 and $20 tier. All tiers receive 50% off all of my services all the time, unlimited discount. As well, the $10 tier gets full access to all content, including all previously recorded content from the last three months. And you would think with only three months, I wouldn't have that much, but boy, there's plenty up there. It would take you a while to get through it, to be honest. So there's plenty to watch and listen to and absorb and learn from. As well, on the $20 tier, my VIPs get a free service every month. So that is like a 75% discount on some of my services. If you would like to have me as a guest on your podcast, or you would like to be a guest on mine, go to my booking link through my link tree and book a podcast interview. If you have a good or service or healing art or intuitive practice that you would like to trade with me for one of my services, let's start the new economy with bartering, shall we? So go book a trade, go book a podcast interview, go book a service and go join the Patreon at Grooving Goddess on Patreon. You will have to go do it in a browser because you can't find it uh, in the app due to the fact that I have it marked 18 plus. So if you would like to join the Patreon, go do that there. And boy, we just can't wait to have you there. The Patreon has grown so fast in the last few months and I know we're just going to keep growing. So come join the Xanadu party and learn more about yourself, space weather, grid work, consciousness expansion, time manipulation and perception and much, much more. Okay. I don't know what happened. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Um, who knows? I haven't checked the sun in the last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a recording yesterday when a flare went off, and I swear it just drained my uh, ear pods instantly. It was bizarre. Mm, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of crazy. So, um, so continue um, your sister and the attracting people who would bully you. Yeah. So, and how it started at such a young age and then, you know, into my relationships, I was always attracted to the emotionally unavailable. And that was just me forever, like just trying to get my sister to love me, you know, it recreated yeah. these dynamics in my relationships. And, you know, I always ended up with so much heartache, so much pain and, and just like being abused and all it, it created more trauma in my life, you know, um, because I was around the course. I mean, the ones who abused me physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, and, and it of course became that voice in my head. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of my programming was, you know, my sister's voice, you know, yeah. and, and I don't talk to her now. Um, I wish her well, but I realized um, just a few years ago that um, just having her in my life was very triggering. Uh, you know how you 
you really get to know your abuser like the back of your hand. I feel mm. like I know her better than she even knows herself, you know, and I can tell when she's lying, when she's being phony, when she's, you know, it, it's like the whole narcissistic love bombing thing too that, yes. that she do with me, you know, and, and make me feel like she loved me and cared for me, but it was always to benefit her or, you know, and she would, it was just this cycle, this pattern, even into adulthood. And finally, I just realized, you know what, I am still trying to get you to love me, you know, and, mm -hmm. and lacking love for myself. And once I just like cut her out of my life, um, my life started changing in ways that I never would have related to having her in it, you know, my, my, uh, healing, I was already on a healing journey, but it really like catapulted me forward. And, uh, it, a lot of my programming, my, um, imposter syndrome, my insecurities, a lot of it went away, like mm -hmm. within that first year, you know, and yeah. I was just, wow, like we really, it really opened my eyes to, the energy, like how energy affects us and how people affect us and, you know, things mm -hmm. like thoughts and all that. And I was, I just, now it's like, it, it was such a significant, um, I guess like a physical manifestation of like, you know, my healing. It was like that. Okay. Like, cause I was talking about the villain era mm -hmm. in the, um, in the, uh, divine feminine episode that you were talking about. And it, it's like, you know, I was talking about how like me setting boundaries, me cutting people out of my life who are not good for me, me, um, taking up more space and, you know, being more assertive and speaking my truth. And it does not make me a villain, but in the beginning yeah. of doing that, you feel like, a villain. You feel like you're being an asshole to everyone, you know, and maybe you are in some cases, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I, now I just realized like, this was always my right to take up space. This was always, this is how I'm supposed to be, you know, and I'm right. not an asshole or anything. I don't, you know, but I definitely am very conscious of the people that I allow into my life, you know, the people mm -hmm. who have access to my energy and things like that. And then it's like mind blowing how just one person no longer in my life changed my life in so many ways, you know, mm -hmm. like if I'm not going to accept that behavior from a family member, I'm certainly not going to accept it from you. You know? <laughs> yes. 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 A thousand times. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to uh, just backtrack a bit and tell you how sorry I am that that was your experience, especially of coming out and having that awful experience when you were, you know, just a teenager and um, that all of that was awful. And yeah. I am sorry that that was your experience. And, and, and you obviously did the right thing. I think a lot of people struggle with the idea of cutting anyone out of their life, whether it's family or otherwise. Um, but I was just thinking as you were talking, I mean, it's like, it, it would be like trying to, um, 
become sober from alcohol, but still hang out in bars every night. You know, if you're, if you're like continually exposing yourself to and interacting with um, a former abuser who has not themselves changed or healed or grown in any way or accepted responsibility for for their actions in the situation you're you're trying to get sober from that family toxicity while still steeping in it yeah and that's that that goes back to that fight or flight mode and being addicted to the chaos and drama like you are addicted to being in that fight and fight or flight mode and so that's Mm -hmm. why you know, it's so hard to remove yourself from these situations because it's familiar to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. once I came out of that, I mean, and I was, I, I think that maybe you and I were talking about this the other day. It might've been someone else um, where, you know, I had, I, and I spent years on my healing journey. I mean, I've been, I've been on a healing journey for about 15 years, you know, and mm-hmm. Um, just recently, you know, just when I like cut my sister out of my life is when I realized that, um, you know, like the, that, that I wasn't, I know I was still going through trauma, even in my Mm -hmm. healing journey, I was still going through trauma. I was still stuck in fight or flight. And it wasn't until I completely cut off connection there that I, you know, and then I did some trauma healing sessions with somebody in our group too. And, you know, she like told my subconscious that I'm safe and the trauma is over. And we went through all these scenarios and meditations and things. And it's like a light switch went off. And and I started, I got all these downloads about how we're, you know, in the fight or flight and we're stuck in it. And, you know, and then coming out and then my subconscious knows I'm safe now. It's amazing how the change in who I am and how I am now. I mean, just, uh, you know, a year ago, I was waking up bitching about the day, you know, even on my Uh healing, this is still, you know, and like shitty mornings, couldn't stand waking up in the morning. And then, you know, if I spill my coffee, it was like, motherfucker, you know, I mean, I just, (laughs) yeah. And, um, and it was such a program. It was so like, it was that first initial reaction to something out of my control, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it put me in a fight or flight state, just spilling my coffee. It, I mean, you know, as simple as that. And it's amazing now to see and watch myself, you know, now that my subconscious knows that I'm safe And like, I don't do those things anymore. I wake up happier. I go about my day. I'm happier. I get, I have less depression. I have less, um, you know, insecurities and anxiety and things like that. I still struggle with those things, but Mm -hmm. while I don't struggle with them, they still happen more like it. You know, I don't suffer through depression, but I do get depressed sometimes if that makes sense. Um, but it's just funny, like we are so stuck in that fight or flight until we realize, until we get to a safe place, like we're not going to, there are certain parts of our traumas that we won't be able to heal until we are away from them and we are in a safe place and we don't have to deal with those people and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That is most definitely true. Uh, and, and it is amazing um, that progress that you've made in just a year, you know, I want you to know that because um, I, I used to have those kinds of instant triggers myself. Mm -hmm. And when I got past those, I mean, it, it took a lot of work. It was daily intentional work to reframe my thoughts and, um, yeah. you know, and it sounds trite sometimes to people, but it's not, it's not being, it's not like toxic positivity. It's just relearning how to have perspective about life in a normal way where spilling your coffee doesn't turn into yeah. <laughs> like a rage uh, surge, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I was already on my healing journey all this time. And so a lot of things didn't like, didn't trigger me. I had worked on a lot of my triggers, so it became the spilled coffee. You know, it's almost like that energy went from being triggered by other people to being triggered by inanimate objects or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. like my, my subconscious found a way to keep me in that fight or flight, you know? <laughs> That's so funny. Because <laughs> I can really, it's so hard about like, you know, yelling at whatever thing isn't working. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Motherfucker, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god. And it's embarrassing too. You know, like my partner, yeah. he doesn't flip out about things and he was like watching me, you know, and like it's it's okay, Sarah. It's just, you know, <laughs> and I, and it helped me realize like, okay, normal people don't fucking do this. God, you know. <laughs> But I had like, I had worked on all this positive mindset and things for all those years too. And so I was loving my life, even though I woke up with shitty mornings and was in that fight or flight, I was still like, I had learned to be in love with my life. I just had these little triggers. So rather than letting those things screw up my whole day, it was just like, okay, take a breath, you know, positive thinking. This is, you know, what's reality. Look at your feet or whatever. And, um, you know, so I was really good at shifting my energy and transmuting that energy, but like to prevent it from happening. I mean, that is such a program when you wake up your whole life in the morning and, you know, especially back, like, you know, during my addiction, I would wake up withdrawing and needing to get high, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my brain was just programmed to like, Oh God, it's morning. I don't want to get out of bed. I blah, 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 you know? And so once I would get up and like have my coffee and I could, I could talk myself into like, this is going to be a good day. And I could find all the happy and positive things in my day. But that morning programming <laughs> was like, yeah, so deeply ingrained in me, you know? Mm -hmm. So amazing like to you know and that has shifted a lot in my life too now I mean it has brought me to a new level of my inner peace and joy you know that is absolutely amazing and I'm gonna 
pause the recording for a moment so we can take a little bio break and then we'll come right okay. back. This meeting is being recorded. <laughs> All right, we are back listeners. We took a little bio break and um, it is truly amazing, Sarah. And you know what I was gonna point out? Uh, one of the things you talked about in the Divine Feminine episode that I really loved was uh, and, you know, I've been hashtagging normalized naps and normalized rescheduling for a few months now. Um, but you talked about uh, how we we need to stop giving each other excuses and apologizing. And that that on the surface can sound like, oh, well, we're just going to be assholes then. Because especially if you are you were conditioned in a more female way um we're taught to apologize for the weather and so it feels like we're being an asshole to do it but you you had talked in there about how you know just reschedule you don't need to give me a reason yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. that we can give each other that grace of uh there doesn't need to be a reason or an excuse and you don't have to feel obligated to give people that and you don't need to feel obligated to be sorry for it. And so before we were getting on here, I'm going to go pull it up. Actually, I'm opening it up on my phone because <clears throat> I loved the fact that we had a little conversation leading up to getting on here. And I went back and read through it and I was like, fuck yes, we did not apologize one damn time. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Because the thing is, is that, and, and we are not picking on men here, but it is the truth that they have been conditioned that they don't need to apologize for having their basic needs met. And so they just don't communicate in the same way that most women do. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I sent you the Zoom and said, I'm finishing up a protein bar and getting some coffee. Be there soon. And you're like, okay, I'm finishing a snack too. And then I said, haha, we're toddlers. <laughs> and then you said, I need to fix one of my salt waters and then I'll be there just a minute or two. And I said, no hurry, I'm still chewing, you know. And not mm -hmm. once during that exchange did we feel the need to apologize or feel bad about anything. And I wanted to point that out like, wow, how far we have come. <laughs> yeah, yes. You know, and, and it's that I can, like you were saying that about, and it, what you were just saying about, you know, like men having a different kind of program. I mean, that's like that toxic masculinity thing too, because I can revert that to capitalism, you know, where like when you call in to work and you have to have a, a legit excuse as to why you can't make it in. And so we're so programmed to do that, like with each other. And it's like, mm -hmm. I'm not your boss, <laughs> you know, and, and if anyone understands, you know, whatever reason, you know, taking a mental health day, like, I don't even need an excuse. Like if I am not, and, and it should be normalized. I mean, Mm -hmm. Like I was saying in that episode, like taking, you know, mental health is the legit reason to cancel plans and it should be normalized. It should be more widely accepted and understood, you know, because like if I don't feel in flow, like if today, if today I would have forced myself to record with you and I was in a, you know, depression episode or just not feeling well or my energy with my illness, you know, 
was slow. I mean, it would be like shit. I wouldn't be able to laugh as much and, and really <laughs> talk. To, like you have to be in flow for things like this, you know? And it's the same way with my art, you know? Like when I sew, when I make my dresses or make the jewelry, I have to put that love. And I'm very much about... um believe in energy frequency and stuff. And, and when I, even when I do those things, I need to be in a flow of love because I am putting that energy into that jewelry or that little dress that that little girl's going to wear. And, mm -hmm. um, and it matters the energy that I, you know, if I'm like doing it because I just need product, like back when I was doing um, shows and stuff and I would, you know, think like, oh my God, I need to make more than this. I don't have enough for tomorrow's show or whatever. And I would mm -hmm. like rush myself and stay up late at night. And then I would get to the show and be even more tired and less in flow because I stayed up late making these extra dresses. And then one thing I noticed is that those dresses didn't even sell. And it's the energy that I put into them. Like people, whether conscious or not of it, it's like you, you touch that dress, you're going to feel the energy from, you know, like the, yes, be the person puts into it, you know, and I got to a point where like, you know, like I'll, I'll give, I give inanimate objects Reiki, you know, and send energy <laughs> love. and I have intentions with the dresses that I make, the jewelry that I make, I, I infuse it with Reiki, I send it love. So whoever wears it, you know, is um, going to feel that, you know, love. I, I fully believe in that, but it's just so funny. Like, cause you know, we, we, we can't even give ourselves a break when things, and we're so, we have been so programmed by society too. And here I'm going off on a whole other tangent, but <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm we, here are for so, it. <laughs> <laughs> we are so programmed by society that happy is the only correct emotion, you know, right. and when, when they first learned about depression and, and these commercials would come on and it was like, you know, it, talking about the normal stresses of life that like, you have every right to be depressed if you're going through this stuff or stressed out. I mean, gosh, our society is depressing and stressful. Just the mm -hmm. things that are expected of us every day is just, it's too much, you know? And mm -hmm. so depression and, and, you know, anxiety and, um, being stressed out. It's, it's completely normal right now, you know, and especially with the pandemic stuff, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. but people are so hard on themselves and, and it's like, you know, why do I feel this way? I have everything to be happy about. So you're gaslighting yourself, you know, and then mm -hmm. when you want to cancel plans, like that goes back to that, like, you know, you, you feel like you have, to, I remember feeling like I had to lie, like, and right. fake it, you know, because mental health was not a legit reason to cancel plans. And right. I just accept, you know, like now I just accept, like, I don't care what your reason is for canceling plans. I, if I am not in flow, I'm not going to do it either. And, and I make every appointment with the understanding that like, they might not feel like doing it that day. Maybe I won't feel like doing it that like mm -hmm. we have to give ourselves more grace to, um, you know, be open to changing plans sometimes. And, 
you know, making sure that each person is in flow and feeling good. You know, it's, it's so much better that energy people who listen to this are going to feel that, that our energy is good today. You know what I mean? It's, it matters. Yeah, it, it's not forced that we didn't, neither one of us were like, all right, well, I've got this appointment and I'm feeling like shit today, but I'm going to, you know, have some coffee and suck it up and talk to myself in the mirror and, you know, override whatever physical, mental, or emotional pain I'm in to do yeah. recording when you're, you're absolutely right. The end product isn't going to be the same and people feel the difference. Um, the pandemic and mental health, uh, to give you an example of how much of a stressor and a pressure that has been, um, when I recorded with our friend Heather, uh, first names only, um, she talked about uh, how, because uh, she's a peer counselor for um, new parents and parents of young kids, right? New moms, new dads. And they, like before the pandemic, it was one in four uh, experienced, you know, postpartum depression or mental health difficulties after becoming parents in those first few years and it went from one in four to three in four mm. three fourths yeah <laughs> three uh. fourths of parents <laughs> struggling with it and that's another testament to how much you've grown because you are a new, a new mom again you know you yeah. have an older child I know who is a teenager but um you had a baby during this whole banana yeah. Yeah, uh, experience and and our you and Terry are, are just such wonderful parents and Aww, Jasper is you. such a cutie. I we started talking on Meow on Wednesday um, about how amazing the 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 kids are just coming in like already activated, having everything ready to go. They're yeah. a whole new level of human. And every time I see Jasper, I'm just like, oh, look at him. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's such a little light. <laughs> this big, wonderful energy. Oh, my gosh. I know. I'm so in love. And, you know, like, it's, I, I can definitely see what, and like, having a baby in the midst of that pandemic was, is like, I mean, I can definitely see why there would be more postpartum depression and things um, during this time. I mean, Terry didn't even get to go to the first many ultrasounds. He didn't get to go into an ultrasound until I think I was like five or six months pregnant. Oh, wow. Because of the yeah, they, I, I couldn't bring, you couldn't bring the dad and it was just the mom, no one else. And um, we didn't get to go to any of the appointments. He would sit outside and wait on me. And then the very first one that he was allowed into was the ultrasound appointment. And um, they had, they, they had lost, like they weren't allowed to use their 3D ultrasound things all that time. But then whenever they were letting us take a visitor in, they, she said something about they had just uh, 
gotten permission to start using the 3D ultrasound stuff again. So he went and saw Jasper for the first time, 3D, like in color. It was so cool. Oh, wow. Um, he just like, I could feel, I could tell his, he was, you know, emotional about it. It was really a cool thing for him. Um, you know, and then having the baby in the hospital, I mean, it's like, you only get, you only get one person with you and mm -hmm. um, you can't, you know, that you're not supposed to come and go, even though they let him come and go, they let us come and go. But there was, you know, you can't have visitors other than the one person. Um, mm -hmm. And there was just all these other rules about it, you know, and, wow. and, then, and then having, you know, a bit like being afraid of COVID. I mean, like I didn't get vaccinated wow. while I was pregnant because there weren't any, uh, you know, there weren't enough like to know what, you know, what would, I was just afraid of like side mm -hmm. effects, or whatever. but I was also afraid of catching COVID. Like I stayed home. I literally like, I didn't go to the grocery store <laughs> during it. You know, I just was mm -hmm. home all day, every day. And that alone can kind of make you go a little crazy, you know? Mm. And then um, now, you know, with this autoimmune thing, even though I'm vaccinated, it's the same thing. Like I, I don't go, I'm still afraid to catch it. Even, you know, I'm seeing people catching it, being vaccinated and not to get on that subject, but you know right, what I mean? Sure, so sure. there's definitely, I could see where it would be even more stressful, you know, so oh, yeah and then if you have kids under 12 under five like there's been all these stages of uncertainty and and reasonable fear like it's not these are not unreasonable fears that people have had because I know for me like for instance this is because I, I think some of these things people on coasts or in big cities tend to develop biases that they aren't even aware of and they don't take certain things into consideration. Like when you live in a small town, for instance, there's only two hospitals here. There's only so many ICU beds. Uh, we're understaffed to start with because we're a sub-rural community. So we don't have as much of a draw for uh, you know trained people and doctors and nurses and all of that, right? So already going in, we're at a deficit. And so if you're me and you have experienced multiple 1%, one in a million cases of things, <laughs> and you know that it's, it's, you have like a 400 times greater chance of a regular person of winding up in the hospital or needing the yeah. hospital with something, um, you're going to take that seriously. And so that's why like some people are a little frustrated with me because they're like, well, though, you know, the wave is going away and they're removing mask mandates and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. And that's even more reason for me to stay effing home because yeah. people are still dying here in my little town and mm -hmm. our hospitals are not equipped to take care of me if I get sick. Yeah. And so I'm not going to put my, my kids and my mom in jeopardy by me not being around um, just because I want to go to a bar concert or go eat in a restaurant. I can wait a while longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not worth the risk. It's, it's literally risking my life to go mm -hmm. to the grocery 
door right now, you know, and yeah. when, when easily Terry can just take a list and go, you know, it's, it's so right. much. Yeah. And, and like right. when, when Jasper was born, you know, and, and people want to like hold the baby, see the baby, but oh, you know, and, and that's another thing. Like I was kind of glad that we were in the middle of a pandemic when I had him because it gave me an excuse as to why I didn't want company or I didn't want mm -hmm. to pass him around and let him meet everyone and, and all this. Um, but like the fact that I needed that as an excuse is kind of sad because, right. you know, I, I mean, and definitely it's different for everyone. Like, what yeah. I, but I believe that we should ask the mom what she's comfortable with. Like, do you want mm -hmm. to just be home for the next few weeks by yourself and, and someone taking care of you? Like, do you even want anyone around? Is it okay to meet the baby? Can we hold the baby? Like it, because mm -hmm. it's such an expectation of oh, every family yeah. member to just want to hold and pass the baby around and oh, look how cute. And then leave when the mother is still recovering. And so is the baby, you know, and, and they right. need that time to bond with their baby. That's a sacred time, you know? Um, I didn't even post on social media until like a couple of days after having him. And I had all these people tagging me like, can we want oh, to see the baby? You know, and it's mm -hmm. fine. I mean, they all meant well, but you sure. know, like I, I just didn't look at my phone. I was bonding with my son, you know, and then I finally, when I did post a picture, you know, I, um, and I saw all the different people tagging me and asking, you know, any pictures of what I actually sent pictures to my friend and had her post them for me and tag me because I just didn't have the energy. I didn't want to be on, you know, here, mm -hmm. here's the update, you know, tell everyone. And, um, you know, but yeah, I, it's such a sacred time for so many of us, you know, but, mm -hmm. um, and the same thing was like the baby showers. Like I'm, I'm such an introvert. Like I said, I didn't mm -hmm. want a baby shower. I don't like to be the center of attention, you know, in a room full of people like, you know, and, and that's an ego thing. I know, but you know, um, everyone's, I you know, know, I don't know. I don't know if that's so much an ego thing because when you're introverted in that way, you're just wired differently. And so it's yeah. like a neurological overload. Yeah. Um, so I, I like, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily, I wouldn't be that hard on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely, it's, it's, yeah. And I agree there too. I'd like, you know, it's, it's my right to um, want or not want a baby shower or, you know, but, yeah. but I would have, I would have given in like if, if, if family and friends wanted to throw me a shower and, and we were not in the midst of a pandemic, I would have like forced myself to go and, and mm -hmm. do, you know, but I was glad like the pandemic, it felt like the universe did this just for me because then I didn't have to have a shower. And, you know, people were like, can you just make a, a wish list? And, you know, it took me a while, it took me months before I finally even did that. Cause, and that was, you know, I figured out that I had a block in abundance because I was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wasn't open to receive. I felt like I was asking for things when I made the list and I felt really, um, gross about it, even though like people love buying stuff for babies. Like they wanted mm -hmm. to know what I need and like, I might as well tell them what I need so that I get the things that, 
you know, I'm going to use rather than a bunch of stuff that I don't need. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then, I mean, people just bought out my baby registry. I mean, I had so many, like we didn't have to buy hardly anything because of that baby registry and all the people and they just got sent right to our door. I didn't have to have a shower, you know, so uh-huh. I can definitely see where like, that's a big deal for some people when, when a woman is pregnant and, you know, like most women want that baby shower, you know? And so I can definitely see where, you know, it would be really depressing, especially your first child yeah. to not be able to do that because of a pandemic, you know? Yeah. There's gosh, there's so much to unpack and what you just said, because it is ridiculous. Even out, you know, outside of a pandemic, how many expectations there are in pregnant women? Because when I was pregnant with my kids, almost well, 20 years ago now, because my son is 19, my oldest, um, like everyone feels like they get to touch you. They get to tell you what to do, what to eat, where to go, uh, you know, and give you all this advice. And that gets frustrating. And then after you have the baby, there's like all the, you know, all these other expectations about um, visitation and whatnot. And I had uh, some stressful moments with that in the first um, several weeks of motherhood with my first one. And it, it was hard because you feel like you're being when, when without a pandemic, (laughs) you feel like you're being uh, rude or not, not like there's something wrong with you when you're just setting boundaries that you need because you own, you're still recovering. You only have so much energy. uh, And so does the baby because my kid was born in the middle of one of the hottest summers on record in Colorado. Like we had over a hundred, hundred degree days in a row. Um, and all these fires and it, and we lived in a place that didn't have very good cooling. And so he and I were just dehydrated and hot and uncomfortable and me just trying to produce milk pretty much like for mm. the first month, at least, you know, and, yeah. um, people, they want to show up immediately, but I hadn't even thought about how much, uh, the pandemic affected, all the normal things like the, the baby appointments and um, having people at the hospital when you're in labor, because I had more than my husband there. I had my best friend, I had my mom and I needed all three of those people (laughs) to be there, you know? And so people definitely um, have had lots of reasons to be to be worried and to be under stress and so everybody should just give themselves a break for sure yeah yeah absolutely I I you know like if I let's say I had a friend who's pregnant right now or something I'm so um because of my experience with it and especially it was rough too I mean I was sick like most my Mm -hmm. whole I remember Um, you know, like I, I'm not, I'm to this point now that like, I'm going to make sure that, that she's okay. You know, I've been saying like, if you love that baby, 
make sure you love that mom because if you're just coming over asking to hold the baby and see the baby and then you leave, you know, and it's like, she, like I had people who wanted to wake him up when he was sleeping to oh, hold him. For fuck's and sake. I'm like, no, I don't even think so, you know? And it felt like I was being an asshole, but like, no, why would you even want to do that? You know? Mm -hmm. um, and then you leave and then I have to deal with his crankiness or, you know, or what, and it messes up his little pattern, his little schedule, you know? And, um, and it's just so like these expectations of, mm -hmm. of it, you know? but, um, yeah, like I, I just, now I'm to the point, like, I won't ask someone if I can hold their baby or, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm going to, if someone close to me becomes pregnant, you know, in the future, I'm just going to be like, you know, the one, like after they have the baby, like, okay, do you want me to cook and bring you a meal? Mm -hmm. You know, like, are you hungry? Yeah. Could you I, let me come do your dishes. Yeah. 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 Do you want to sleep and I'll watch the baby or do you want me to do all the other things that need to be done and you and the baby sleep, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Because mm -hmm. that love, I mean, I had so much support. My partner, um, my mom brought meals over. She would cook meals and then freeze them so that we could put them in the oven whenever we wanted. I like pre-cooked meals, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. or she would bring over, you know, like a think pot of soup or something like that. And, um, that helped so much. And mm -hmm. then, you know, my partner just like, I mean, cause I had a C-section. So of course I'm recovering from surgery and everything too. But I mean, it was so helpful just like to have someone like wait on me like that during that time. It's such an emotional time too, because you're kind of like detoxing from all the hormones too. Yes. You know? And so, you know, I was like really emotional and like not in my right mind. And I was in so much pain from the surgery and I just wanted to be with my son, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so people, I had people honor that this time when I had my oldest, it wasn't quite like that, you know, it was yes, like, I can imagine. And I didn't know how to set boundaries. I didn't know how to say, no, I don't want you to hold her right now, you know, or whatever, um, or, or to ask for help, like you know, to say, to admit that I needed help. I was a, I was 20 years old when I had her and I thought that I had to do everything on my own. I thought that I was supposed to get this mother's intuition that I would just know how to take care of my baby. And, you know, when that didn't happen, I just felt like a failure as a mom. We have so many expectations on people, you know, mm. but um, having people there this time to just like, understand that, you know, I want this time with my son, you know, if you love my son, then, you know, help me through this time, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. A, so everyone wants to come and hold the baby and see the baby and, you know, and then leave. And it's like, you know, yeah, I had, it was interesting. I mean, things are always tense with my mother-in-law. She's a whole other case. Like I could do a whole episode <laughs> my former mother-in-law um, just one of those people that's very closed-minded and super negative um, like if you listened to only her you would think the town 
that my ex-husband was from was like the worst place on earth because nothing good ever happens there. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like every story was, you know, some horrible tragedy. Um, but she came here to, you know, when my first, uh, when her first grandchild was born, she's very excited, which is understandable, but she showed up, I think it was maybe the day after I came home from the hospital and I'm sitting there, you know, and I mean, I was a wreck, you know, we, we went over that on your episode, but for my mm-hmm. listeners, I was a mess after my son was born. Half of my body was literally numb most of the time. And, uh, I, you know, I just had all kinds of issues going on. So I'm trying to sit there and, um, and then because of the heat that I talked about the, um, the extreme heat, we were so dehydrated. So it was hard to get my milk production growing. So I'm just struggling to nurse him. And so it was time for him to nurse, you know, cause I had to do this on a schedule to make my milk happen, but I didn't want to be rude and leave. And so I'm sitting there trying to do that and he's hot and fussy, you know, cause I'm a new mom and don't know exactly the like, oh, I should just let him be naked or like in a diaper. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because they, everybody's like, well, you need to put them in clothes. And then, um, so she's, she's sitting there <laughs> she, and she starts asking me questions like, what's his social security number? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> when I think about it now, it is just so fucking absurd, you know, <laughs> but she, and she just wanted to get him savings bonds, which is great, but it was like, dear God, it doesn't work that way. They don't like hand you a social security card. Yes. <laughs> when you leave the fucking hospital. Oh my, oh God. my gosh. Um, so I know what that's like to have people. And so what wound up happening is I got frustrated because she kept asking me just ridiculous, stupid things. And um, I just picked him up and was kind of like, and I'm sure I was overly bitchy hormonal about it, but I was like, I need to nurse him. And so we're going in the bedroom. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I just, I couldn't deal or handle what she was dishing out after just giving birth you know um but I was gonna say about the receiving and abundance thing um I struggled with that for such a long time in my life and um when I was 40 and really started like the deep uh, PTSD recovery and healing and everything I had some really great mentors around me and um one of the things they said to me about that was, uh, does it make you happy to give people gifts and do things for other people? And, and, you know, and I said, well, of course it does. I, I love it. I, this is why I, you know, um, uh, gather donations and, and, give toys to kids at Christmas and do what I can because it makes me happy to do that. And they said, well, why would you, want to deny others the happiness of giving to you and I was like holy shit (laughs) I never thought about yeah Yeah. 
I never thought about not being willing to receive as being selfish in a way. Um, And me just wanting to keep all the joy of giving for myself and not allow (laughs) others to do the same, you know? Yeah. And it's that it's a block in abundance too. I learned Mm -hmm. that it was a block in abundance, you know, because of course abundance comes in many ways, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and, and then also like, years when the holidays would come around and I didn't have money to buy people gifts who were buying me gifts. And I felt guilty that mm-hmm. I couldn't, I didn't have something for them in return. And that was like my lesson these past couple years too, is like, you know, they didn't buy me a gift because they're expecting me to give them something in return, you know, most people. And when you have that block, you're, you are robbing them of their joy in giving you Mm -hmm. that gift, you know, and, and just to be open to receive, you know, absolutely. That was a huge, that's a huge block. And I, and so many people, um, I think that's a big one for a lot of people, you know, is that we feel like we owe, somebody something you know but I definitely like I'm more even throughout random times of the year like I'm not huge on holidays and and birthdays but like if I'm in a store and I see something that reminds me of somebody you know I want to get it for them you know and just surprise them for random you know like that and I definitely don't do it because I expect anything in return or whatever you know but Yeah. yeah that was a huge, and I, that baby registry was the first time I really worked through that block, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that you did. And I, I feel like we only just barely touched on your story. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'll just have to have you back again. Anytime. <laughs> But I am grateful for all of the parts of your story you did share. And um, I I think you, your podcast is really wonderful, Sarah. And just you Thank being you. your natural, authentic self is what makes people want to listen. So um, to you and anyone out there, just be yourself do it your way. That was something that I had to figure out really quickly from the get-go was to not concern myself with how everyone else did their podcasts or what it was like or what they shared or how they promoted it or anything else. If I tried to imitate uh, versus innovate. And what I mean by innovate, it's not that you're doing something earth shatteringly different, just that you are doing what makes you happy, what delights you, amuses you, touches your heart, you know, tickles your fancy. If you do those things and you are true to yourself, then like you're talking about that resonant frequency and how we attract each other, you attract more listeners that way and more viewers that way and followers and whatnot than if it's just artificial. And something else to point out is a lot of these accounts that have, you know, 10,000 or more followers, um, they have uh, hired people to make that happen. Uh, 
And the way that happens, they are not organic. Uh, They're not people who are actually fans. They're just, it's like an account mill. It's like a follower farm. Um, And because I get them, uh, I get offers all the time from people who want to, you know, help me raise my follower count. And this is how I've learned that the, a lot of those, uh, those things that you see on the surface where it looks like, oh, well, they have all these followers and yada, yada. It's, you have to um, ask yourself, did that happen organically or was that generated by um, social media managers that are meant to do that. So I would much rather have a hundred people who follow me that genuinely listen yes. to my podcast or enjoy my content than to have 10,000 fake followers. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, I like, I'm not even doing it for the followers anyways. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's of course. Energy channel that I'm just allowing to flow that I know is healing for others. And that's, mm-hmm. it, you know, <laughs> That's all I need it for. I, I don't like, I don't think I would want to be seen hugely in the public eye anyways. Like we were talking about, you know, the negative mm-hmm. comments. And stuff. I mean, you know, so yeah, absolutely. And thank you for saying that about my podcast. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I, I truly love it. And I love you. And I know your story you. and your, the way you share things really inspires people. And I know you've inspired me a lot and. I have learned a lot through our friendship and I really appreciate you. Yes. And same to you. I've learned so much about myself through you, (laughs) our conversations, (laughs) you know, I mean, we talk nearly every day. So yeah, it's Mm -hmm. been such a awesome thing, like to know you and connect with you. And I'm so glad. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Tell my listeners where they can find you. You can find my podcast, Supernatural Sarah. You can find me on Instagram at Super Supernatural Sarah 2021. Um, you can friend me on Facebook, Sarah Fournay, F-O-U-R-N-E-T. You can email me at Supernatural Sarah 2021 at gmail.com. Well, fantastic. And thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you in 10 minutes. <laughs> cats and kittens let me tell you about meow podcast on youtube this is our collaboration between myself andrea land grieving goddess and Serafina of Fraggle Ing with Serafina. It's hard to believe that we have been doing Meow Podcast, M-E-O-W-W, on YouTube for almost a year now. Watch for a lot of exciting upcoming events this year. We host a global panel discussion and healing conversations about topics including metaphysical, sociopolitical, health, really all about aspects of human and non-human life. 
So come join us on Meow Podcast. Please like, subscribe, hit that alarm button so that you get notifications of our episodes when they drop. We have many guests from Grooving Goddess and also from Fraggling with Serafina, as well as entirely different guests that you're not going to get on other podcasts. So come listen, watch, and enjoy Meow Podcast today. You can also find and follow our page on Instagram, the Meow Podcast, and send us a DM if you would like to be on the show, or you have any questions or comments, or just want to say howdy. So come on down and start your stuff with us cats and kittens in these healing conversations. Meow Podcast. It's not a vibe. It's a frequency. Like I said, that was a great conversation, right? And kind of right on time because everyone is going through a lot of changes right now. And there have certainly been a lot of developments since we recorded that that have kind of amped up everything we were talking about for people. So thank you for being here and listening. You know I love you. You know I appreciate you. I'm putting together a spreadsheet that'll just be accessible to the public like a Google Doc and I'll have the link in my notes so that you can cross-reference different topics since I'm getting up there in the episode numbers now and to be honest I can't keep track of it unless I do something like this so uh, when people ask me hey um, you know where's the episodes on Mintaka or on Astral Knot Training I will know or, or you know where to send you. Uh, so that'll be available soon and doing some changing up with the Patreon. Don't have exact details to launch just yet, but I will share those probably in the next episode. Uh, we'll see how my flow is going in that direction. I'm really enjoying feeling better and having energy, so I don't want to do anything to mess that up. But when I listened to the end of that episode, I had to message Sarah and just tell her, I love you so much. You're such a great friend. And we haven't been able to talk on the daily as much like we were. And uh, It's nice to express to people that you miss them when they are not there for short amounts of time. So uh, I hope you all are doing great. You know where to find me. Um... Patreon is the best deal still, though. I will keep the VIP tier for 20 for sure, where you get a service every month, because that's basically like getting a monthly subscription to me, <laughs> um, a personal session with me. So uh, check that out if you're so inclined. And, you know, right into the podcast either this one or meow podcast we love to talk about our different um, listeners and guests and subjects and we would love to hear your stories too you don't have to have a podcast or or you know be some sort of practicing intuitive to come on either of those shows uh you can just come on and be a guest as your wonderful self and your divine consciousness that is probably so much more interesting than you think about yourself. So enjoy this song. I wrote it. Oh, golly. Mm. 
15 years ago, maybe. Uh, yeah. So I adapted those lyrics and here it is. And it's another one of those things that feels timely. Don't ask me if I think you are pretty Do I like your hair? Is your skin soft and fair? Don't ask me if your body is beautiful do I think you're all that? Are you perfect and flat? Don't ask me if I think you're handsome Not a hair out of place Such a beautiful face Don't ask me if you're a seducer Do your piercing eyes stare? With a come hither glare It just doesn't matter Why can't you see that it causes me pain That it runs through your brain I see you all inside out I judge you all inside out If I could change one thing in the world today I would make you all see clear perceptions like me We're so much more than what's on the outside All the treasures inside Where the truth likes to hide the vehicle you wear means nothing to me What I hate or love is the driver I see The driver I see The driver I see Learn to see through the flesh of their bodies in ugly places you'll find Such beautiful minds With so much more than what's on the outside All the beauty's inside Where the truth likes to hide It just doesn't matter Why can't you see That it causes me pain that it runs through your brain I see you all inside out I judge you all inside out I love you all inside out I love you all Inside out.